and welcome to Sweet Talk, the podcast in which I get to share my reaction to the critically acclaimed show, Queen Sugar. I'm Andrea Brown of IamAndreaBrown.com, and today we are discussing season four, episode five of Queen Sugar. Now, typically each week I give you my top three moments from the show, but this week there was just too many things that happened. So instead of giving you top three moments, I'm gonna break down what happened based on our three main characters. That's Ralph Angel, Nova, and we'll start with Charlie. So I just wanna say this. Davis West is the kind of guy that just doesn't let up. When we see Charlie in the episode, she gets a FaceTime call from Davis, who's freaking out because the book, Blessings and Blood, is throwing a wrench in his rebranding plan. So if you remember last week, we found out, or maybe it was two weeks ago, don't remember, but we found out that Davis has taken a job as a head coach for a university basketball team. Now we know in today's climate, people are gonna be researching and people are gonna be protesting people that have done things that are totally inappropriate. And um, namely, in the age of Me Too, people who have committed sexual assault. Davis is one of those people. And the book Blessings and Blood exposed that to the world. It wasn't just conjecture, it was actually placed in print that he actually did it and that Charlie helped him cover it up. So now, students at the university where he's just been hired are protesting his employment, which, why wouldn't they? Hello, this guy is a rapist, like, of course people are gonna have some points of concern. So the first thing that he does, instead of calling his lawyer, instead of calling his publicist, he calls Charlie, because Charlie used to do it for him, right? She used to take care of him, she was his fixer. And I really believe that in the back of his mind, he thought, hmm, if I can just get her to help me one more time, maybe I can slide back in there. Because honestly, I believe that's what he really wants. He really just wants their family to be together again, selfishly. Like, He's just gonna throw out all the things that he's done wrong. And honestly, he has not been truthful for a very long time. So Charlie elects to help him. She invites him to her office at the mill and they discuss some things that he can do to help get him out of the hole that he's dug himself in. She kind of reads him his rights and lets him know, hey, this is your fault. This is your problem. It's not mine anymore but because Charlie's Captain Save him, she goes ahead and helps him anyway. Of course, when you give people an inch, they think it's a mile. And so Davis, out of nowhere, decides that he's gonna try to lean in for a kiss and Charlie hit him with the smoothest curve I have seen in a while. Like this guy is really an emotional terrorist. He really tries to bank on the emotions that Charlie has and the memories that they have of their family in the happier times. He uses Micah kind of as a pawn, always saying that, oh, you know, I, I don't want this to you know, be bad for Micah, knowing that that's Charlie's heart point. She loves Micah and Micah has been out here cutting up while we're talking about him. This guy, I just, 
I would hope that he would kind of just sit down and like figure out who he is. I think the hair change, I think the things that he's been doing lately, like in this episode, he went to go visit his friend aunt who got locked up. If you don't remember, they all kind of got caught up in this thing where they actually burned down an old slave quarters at a, um, at a plantation that had now become something like a tourist attraction. They were trying to wake people up and instead they burned down a historical landmark Ant got caught up for it. Really, it was Micah's fault that it happened. And so now Ant is in juvenile detention. So he goes to visit Ant. Ant's got this tattoo that their homegirl did for him before he reported to juvenile. And so that lets Micah begin thinking, oh, you know, I hmm, maybe that might be something that I might be interested in as well. But let me tell you, this is something that kids just do. They see something. They do something, especially in your teenage years. I know you guys probably can think about some things that you kind of saw and were like, man, I want to do that too, just because you saw somebody else do it. Well, Michael winds up getting a tattoo, and in the process of him getting a tattoo, he's throwing back uh, whiskey or something. The boy got drunk, and his mom comes in, and she sees him in the bed, and she's like, yo, what happened to you? He's got this bandage covering his arm. He's like, oh, it's just a little tattoo. He's like still drunk, right? And so she says, are you, have you been drinking? And he was like, oh, I didn't mean to get drunk. And Charlie, at this point, it's really fed up with him. Like she says, if you're not gonna listen to me, we gotta figure out who you're gonna listen to. And she storms out. Well, that's like a minuscule part of her worries because Charlie also had to deal with an ice raid at this clinic that she's been allowing to take place in the back of her mill. So her boyfriend, I'll call him her boyfriend, Bay, whatever, boo, Romero, has been running this clinic in the back of the mill. And all of a sudden, things, you know, have been going well. Ice, ice shows up and they do a raid. And unfortunately, Ignacio, who's worked on Charlie's dad's land, for a long time, since the kids took over, was swept up in the raid along with his oldest son. This got Charlie thinking, like, who could have done this? Like, nobody knew about this. Everything was supposed to be above board. They can't just send ice here. It's a clinic. It's supposed to be protected. But apparently there was an anonymous tip sent out that there were illegal aliens on the property. And she has a conversation with an officer and the officer tells her, hey, you know, you've made enemies in this town. It's not the Landry's that you need to be concerned about. It's the other people. And Charlie notices the guy, the lawyer guy, or I don't even know if he's a lawyer. He may be like a representative from a company, right? Who was also with Jacob Boudreaux when she came to visit Jacob. And it clicks to her. The Boudreaux's have been lobbying <laughs> for this highway project, right? And unfortunately, she has been stirring up trouble trying to keep the highway project from happening. So now Charlie's been thinking like, hmm, maybe I should, hmm, maybe I should run for city council. So that's something that we definitely have to watch out for in the upcoming episodes. Charlie's gonna run for office, but the question is, should she and will she be safe running for office?
You tell me. Things are going a little bit more smoothly, though, for my boy, Ralph Angel. As a matter of fact, he took his girl, Disa, out on a picnic date. And, you know, I'm enjoying the evolution of Ralph Angel. He's very much so suave and debonair and romantic. He's got on cologne. He whips out flowers out of a picnic basket. It was really cute, right? They brought food from Vi's Prize Pies and they were having a really lovely discussion. He even got a kiss from Miss Disa on that picnic blanket. And in my mind, I was like, yes, come through. I want Ralph Angel to be happy because he's dealt with so much and things are finally starting to look up for him. Even with the backlash from this book, Blessings and Blood, threatening to disrupt all of that, right? Well, as he's kissing Disa, his phone rings. And it's either Darla or the school. I'm thinking it was Darla that called him to let him know that there was something going on with Blue. Now, what we see is that while Ralph Angel is on this date, Blue is at school. And he's having a conversation with one of his little homies on the playground. And let me tell you, kids really get on my nerves sometimes. Like, they don't really know what they're saying or what they're doing, but the little boy says to Blue, hey, you know, I thought you didn't have a daddy. Blue was like, huh, my pop is my dad. The little boy was like, that's not what my mom said. My mom said, you ain't have a real daddy. Blue was like, what? Yeah, I heard my mom telling my auntie on the phone that you ain't have a real daddy. Now, you wanna go swing with me? Bro, you just broke this little kid. <laughs> You just broke this little kid's whole world up and you ask him to go swing. Kids don't even think about stuff like that. But Blue was devastated to find out from his friend that Ralph Angel wasn't really his dad. So unfortunately, Ralph had to leave the day with Disa to go get on his daddy duties. So he flew as fast as he could over to Darla's house. Blue wasn't talking to anybody. He wasn't interested in having any conversations. He literally just cried himself to sleep. But once he woke up from his nap, Ra was still there. They had a conversation. Blue finally told them what was going on, that the little boy had told him that Ralph Angel wasn't really his daddy. And so they had to finally have this conversation that's been brewing since the book came out. They knew that eventually they were going to have to talk to Blue about Ralph Angel not being his biological father. And it's hard to explain to a little kid what biological means. Like Ralph Angel is all that Blue has ever known. He's the only person that Blue has ever called dad, father, pop, right? So I thought it was really beautiful the interaction that they had and the way that they explained to Blue that while Darla is his biological mother and Ralph Angel is not his biological father, that they both chose Blue. That no matter what happens, they would always choose him. And I think that was reassuring for Blue. He cried and he hugged both of his parents and that's something that was super beautiful to me. I thought that that conversation and that interaction was something that really, really needed to happen. And so I was happy that it had somewhat of a positive ending. What's left to be seen though, is how those interactions continue to happen. I think that Blue trusts Ralph Angel and Blue also trusts Darla. So what they say goes, but everybody knows that kids have conversations. 
And I hope that after the conversation that he's had with his parents, that Blue will know for sure that he's loved. I am telling you, like I've been telling you for the past four weeks, that Nova should have written about her own life. Because let me tell you, blessings and blood would have been just as juicy if she would have just told her own business. So this week, Nova has kicked off her book tour, right? And she's having a conversation about the book in New York City. There's a moderator. The moderator calls on a woman in the audience. The woman stands up. And as soon as she does, we see Nova stiffen. And I was like, wait, Nova knows this lady. Who is it? Well, it's Dr. Octavia Laurent, right? And apparently this is somebody that Nova knows from her past. The actress is Cree Summer, one of my all-time favorites. I'm like, hold up, Freddie Brooks has popped up. Freddie Brooks is a professor at the new school? What? Right. <laughs> so I was excited to see Cree Summer in this in this role. Cree Summer, really Dr. Octavia Laurent, read Nova for filth. But Nova is not one to give up too easily. So they had a kind of contentious exchange about the quality of the book Blessings in Blood. Dr. Laurent's assertion was that there wasn't enough research and data in the book. And Nova said it's a memoir, it wasn't a research piece, so the only data we need is a black experience. The crowd seemed to accept that. Nova, however, was still shook. She does wind up going to a venue where Dr. Laurent is after this, this book conversation. Dr. Laurent is there with her students. They have a discussion about the book and we see that Dr. Laurent has kind of like a, what do we call, a teacher's pet. I personally think it was a little bit more than just a teacher's pet. And we'll see why in a few minutes because it turns out that this relationship that they shared as professor and student was a lot deeper than just professor and student. So apparently Dr. Laurent taught her at Tulane, but in the course of her teaching her at Tulane, they also became lovers. And let me tell you, Nova be moving very, very, very expeditiously to get to the bed. Like, I look up, they're having a conversation, then they start talking about old times, then all of a sudden they're making out. The next thing we find them in the bed naked. I'm like, yo, Nova, like you're a wild girl. This would have been an excellent thing to mention in the book, and that's, exactly what Dr. Laurent was frustrated about. She said, wow, you only included uh, half of a line about me in your book and it wasn't even specific. That kind of leads me to believe that you thought about including me, but then intentionally did not. Why is that? I don't know, but I will say that Dr. Laurent invited herself to Nova's next tour stop and I just, I'm excited to find out what's gonna happen with that. Because Nova said she was tired of Octavia's games and her games must have been the cause of them breaking up. So one thing that I know is that going back is not always the best thing. So when you break up or you end a relationship, there's always a reason why the relationship ends. 
So going back is probably not always the best thing to do. And it seems that Nova does that frequently. She circles back consistently. And I think that she's going to find herself in a position that she doesn't want to be in with Dr. Laron. But we'll see. I mean, maybe this is what she needs. I will say that in terms of the conversation, that was definitely a match for Nova. The challenge, I think, excited her. I thought it was disgusting. Um, the idea of having a professor and a student, while it's not illegal, it's definitely frowned upon. The power dynamic is off. And I could still see it in the way that they interacted. But neither here nor there, not my life. But it is Nova's, and I still say she should have included her own business in the book. Well, before we wrap it up, I also want to point out a couple of things that happened between Aunt Violet and Hollywood. So this week, something happened that I've been waiting to happen. Remy Newell returned to the show. I was wondering where Remy had been ever since he had the falling out with Nova and Charlie. He's kind of been ghost. And apparently it was for the best for him. I mean, it shook him and he realized that he was doing things that he didn't have any business doing. And so he came to Vi's Prize Pies to say goodbye to Hollywood and Violet and to just share with Hollywood, his homeboy, like, hey, you know, I've been going through it and I really need to leave St. Joe's to go find myself. So while I would love to have Remy Newell on the show and while I think that he really could have been a good partner for Nova. I do agree with Hollywood because Hollywood said that too. It's probably for the best that he goes and finds himself. It takes a lot of self-reflection to realize when you're in a space that you don't need to be in. So I applaud Remy for the self-actualization. But on top of that, Hollywood and Vi have been dealing with issues of their own. Ever since Jimmy Dale came, uh, <laughs> Violet has been experiencing some trauma. You know, bringing up old things. Seeing Jimmy Dale brought back times that she tried to escape from. And unfortunately, I think that's going to drive a wedge between her and Hollywood. She's scared. And at least in this episode, she did tell him, hey, I'm scared um, that, you know, my old way of life is going to resurface and I don't want that. And Hollywood said he would do everything that he could to protect her. But I really think that the work that has to be done is the work internally with Aunt Violet. What do you guys think? I mean, we have a week off next week. Queen Sugar will be back a week after next. So in the meantime, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. What are your thoughts on the first half of this season? I mean, there's been so much that has happened. I just wonder what's coming next. Like, what can we expect in the latter half of the season? I know that Charlie is going to run for city council. I know that Nova's going to continue her book tour, but now she's got this old professor lady hanging on by her side. Is she gonna have issues with that? Is there going to be drama? Um, Micah is still trying to find himself. He's wilding out. He still doesn't really truly understand or know who he is. Aunt Violet is struggling, trying to figure out how to ensure that she's not afraid and allowing Hollywood to love her. Ralph Angel's got this new boo, but he also has to balance the fact that 
he still probably has feelings for Darla as well. I mean, there's so many ways that we could go, but I'm interested in hearing what you have to say. What are your thoughts? Like, where do you see the rest of the season going? Just leave them in the comments. And as always, I'm Andrea Brown of IamAndreaBrown.com. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I appreciate you guys leaving the comments. I appreciate you liking. I appreciate you subscribing. And I also appreciate you rating the show. It's so much fun for me. And I look forward to seeing you guys week after next for episode six of season four, Queen Sugar. See you soon.